Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. I can't think of a better illustration of how I'm feeling today than to say that I feel like I was right there through the pregnancy, but I've never yet got to meet the child. So uh, I was part of the team that was out here standing in this empty space before it uh, was ever dreamt of to be a church. And uh, so it's so good to be here this morning. I guess for me personally, seven years, almost seven years, it's our seventh birthday in March at Ormo, but almost seven years into the journey of starting Gateway's first new campus some time ago, it's been such an exciting year for us to see two new uh, younger brothers, we'll call them. Thanks, Carol, for that language. Younger brothers come online this year in uh, both Redlands and Logan, and it's such a privilege to be here with you this morning. It's been an exciting journey being part of Gateway. This is my 20th year as part of the staff team at Gateway. I know I look a lot younger than that, but I began as an intern in our youth department in the year 2000. I thought I knew everything and I knew nothing. And God has been really gracious, allowing me to be part of the journey of seeing uh, many seasons of life in our church. But uh, when I started attending Gateway, we were averaging 600 people on a Sunday across two services at McKenzie with no vision for anything else. Uh, Gateway was in a tough space and uh, God has brought incredible healing, has brought incredible growth. And now the outworking of vision that is uh, realized in places like this is just such a great thing to see. And one of the things you realize the longer you stay on the journey like that is there is no one else that can be glorified or praised but God in the midst of that. Uh, Because he's used lots of people like me um, who aren't that special but have just tried to stay obedient to the call to be part of the journey. So whatever it looks like for you, just keep doing what Jesus asks you to do and you'll get to go on one heck of a ride, right? So that's it's the story for Redlands. Seven years in, Ormo is on one heck of a ride and we're so grateful to God for his grace. See, we made all the mistakes that you don't have to now in starting campuses at Gateway, right? So you can thank me later and make me a coffee, but we made lots of mistakes so you didn't have to, but God's been really gracious to us. Hey, it's good to be here and kicking off, I think, a new series. In, I'm not sure what you looked at last week, but kicking off a new series right through January just called Summer Psalms. Chance to look at some different psalms and just to reflect on the words of Scripture from, from a different kind of book in the Scripture. The psalms, are, I say, are the songs and the poems of Scripture. Like they're, they're theology expressed through human emotion. They're people expressing how they feel about their relationship with God. And not all the Psalms are joyful. Some are filled with pain and angst and anger and doubt. But it's a great way just to wrestle with this God-man relationship and how people express that and experience that. If you just take sound bites of the Psalms, you can create some really bad theology. But if you read them and understand them in their wholeness and understand that this is the wrestle of the human heart about how to make sense of the relationship with God, where there is so much gold to be found in the Psalms. I'm going to launch with a psalm in a moment, Psalm 103. Uh, and I'm, it, it, Because they're a song, they don't deserve just to be picked apart. You've got to hear them in their entirety. Like, I, I love music, but you don't sit down and listen to one verse of a song. To get a sense of the song, you've got to listen to the whole. So I'm going to read the whole to us uh, in just a moment. 
But before we do that, I just want to show you a photo, a little bit more context for me. This is my family in uh, some really bad Christmas sweaters. This has become a little bit of a tradition at almost since uh, we started that we bought these bad Christmas sweaters and everybody gets their Facebook photo done at Christmas time wearing these. I chose to go for something a bit more slimming this year just to try and make myself look skinnier. So I'm wearing the green penguin. But this is my family, my wife Chrissy and my five kids, Eli, Harrison, Isaac, Ben and Sarah. And I'm gonna use them as a little bit of a, I want you to get to know me a bit today. And so I'm going to tell you some stories about my family. Most have come with their permission. Some uh, I didn't get the chance to run by them or my children are too young to understand what I'm talking to you about. But I want to say this. You get to know something about the nature of, once you get to know something about the nature of somebody, it then changes the way that you relate to them. So I hope today you get a little bit of a sense of who I am and the nature of my family life. And maybe that changes the way that we interact in the future as we get to know each other. But as you get to know the nature of somebody, it changes the way you relate to them. You know, the the Word of God, the Bible, and and this Bible reading project that Carol's invited you to get involved in this year, this is what God's gift to us to help us understand who He is. This is the revelation of who God is. And so as we invest in the Word, we start to understand the nature of God. Now, there are days that this is not an easy book to read. I don't care whether you've been a Christian five minutes or 50 years There's some things in this you read and your head just goes, I can't get my mind around that. I don't understand that. What is it saying? You know, sometimes we need others to help us unpack it or other resources. But this is God's gift to us to understand who he is and what his nature is like. And today I'm going to talk about the nature of God. And I'm going to help us understand a little bit more of what he's like. I'm going to tell you about the God that I know. And as you understand what he's like, hopefully that changes the way that you relate to him in 2019. But to the Psalms, Psalm 103, just listen, experience it as it was meant to be experienced, as a song that it tells us of David. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed his transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness with their children's children. With those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts. You, his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Why don't you pray with me for a moment? God, I want to pray as we interact with your word today. 
these words penned by King David so many thousands of years ago that just express who you are and, and give us a glimpse into your nature, the nature that people have experienced through the generations. God, I want to pray that you would enrich us today, that you would expand our understanding of your goodness. And God, that you would change the way that we interact and relate to you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's one thing that probably in recent time has really changed my understanding of the nature of God, and it was when I became a father myself. I grew up as an only child, so I had no experience of siblings, and so I didn't know what it was like to have a younger brother or sister that I had to see grow up and nurture, so kids were a huge culture shock to me. I married somebody that was the youngest of seven kids, so she grew up in big family. I grew up as an only child. You can imagine what our pre-marriage sessions were like when we talked about family of origin, right? Significant. Anyway, when we were nine months married when I found out, or when we found out that we were pregnant with our first child, Eli. So we'd only been married nine months, we'd done a couple of trips, and then suddenly we had to get our head around the reality that we were going to be parents. And Eli was a, a surprise, great surprise for us. When I say great, I mean it was a huge surprise, but it was a great surprise. We were really happy about it, but it was unexpected at the time. But then 18 months into being married, my first son, Eli, was born. Here's a photo of Eli. I just got back from a trip to Cambodia with him. Uh, at the start of December, and this is him now, almost 16. Girls, he will be on youth camp in a couple of weeks. You can walk up and introduce yourself to him. He's a very shy and polite child, and he's been told no girlfriends till he finishes school, so that's as far as it goes. But My son Eli, when he was born, I can remember vividly some of those first moments. I have very vivid memories of sitting at the traffic lights outside the food works on the way to pick up Chrissy to take her to the hospital because labor had begun. I remember the first night we brought Eli home and he was sleeping in a room next door to us. And 3 a.m. in the morning, the cry woke me and suddenly, I can remember this vividly, suddenly this thought of me of, oh, this is actually what, how everyone says that they wake you in the night. I probably just thought that that wasn't going to be our story, but this is our story. I remember Eli taking his first step because for the first six or nine months when he started moving, Eli walked everywhere on his knees. And we were starting to worry about whether he was ever going to make the transition. And I remember the day he actually stood up off his knees and took his first step. Man, I have incredible memories of my first son. I go back through our photos and there were more photos taken of Eli than any of our other kids until our last one. But I don't blame that on her being the daughter. I blame that on the evolution of the iPhone and the ready access to the camera that we have these days. But Eli, we, we had to get the camera out of the cupboard and charge the battery and put the card in. And we got lots of photos of Eli. Everything was new. Everything was noteworthy. Everything was worth sharing. Everything was exciting. But, but the overwhelming reflection I have on Eli is this discovery of what it is as a dad to have a deep love for a child. Just to have a deep love for one of my kids. I mean, it didn't matter what he did. It didn't matter how annoying he'd been or how naughty he'd been or how testing he'd been, how tired I was. All I had to do was walk into his bedroom at night as he was asleep in his cot and stare upon that child and everything in my heart melted and changed and he became my favorite thing in the whole world. Man, the, the depth of love that I had for my son was incredible. But then something happened. Three years later, we welcomed our second child into the family, Harrison. 
And a few years after that, and back to, this is Harrison, I'll take you back to my family photo. A few years after that, we welcomed Isaac into the family. And then three years after that, we welcomed Ben into our family. And just three years ago, we welcomed Sarah into our family. And in case anyone's wondering, that's the final family photo, right? <laughs> that's it, five, five and out, the fifth and the last. And, and here's the interesting thing that I've discovered as I've added children to my family. You see, I didn't think I could love anyone more than I loved Eli. But then something happened. I had another child and there was this fear in me that I wasn't going to be able to show and display the same love to my second child as I had to my first. You see, a lot of things diminish when you go from one child to five. Time diminishes. The time that I had to invest in Eli when he was the only child in my family has diminished. I don't have the same capacity to invest the same amount of one-on-one time with each of my kids that I did when I just had one. Like it's not possible with five children to give them the one-on-one investment that I'd love to give them. See, that has diminished. Time has diminished. My capacity to be at everything they do has diminished. You see, when Eli was young, everything he did, we didn't miss. Every kindy concert, every first step, every any event that he was involved in, any footy match, any school presentation, we were at. Now with five kids, I've got four kids that play AFL footy in the wintertime. And they can be playing anywhere from Morningside in Brisbane to Cool and Gather on the Gold Coast within a two-hour stretch of each other. It is a nightmare. And even though I'd love to get to every game and cheer my kids on, I just, I can't. My capacity has diminished. So I've lost the capacity of time. I've lost the capacity of being able to get to everything. I've lost a lot of hair. I've lost a lot of money. There's a whole bunch of stuff that diminishes as your family grows. But you know the the most incredible thing that I've realized as my family's grown? Love does not diminish. Love does not diminish. I didn't think I could love anyone more than I loved Eli until I added Harrison to the family. And you know what I realized? My love for Eli didn't diminish, but my love for Harrison was equal to my love for Eli. And then I added three, four, five, and not once has my love diminished for any of my kids. With everything else that diminishes, love does not diminish. And I want us to get this because it tells us a little bit about the nature of God because any illustration I share with you this morning about me as a parent, I, I could tell you plenty about the times that I've failed. They are endless. I could tell you about the story back from the coast with my kids in the car last night, but you may not listen to the rest of my sermon when you discover the kind of father I can be at times. Like I have plenty of bad days. I am a really bad kind of illustration of what God is like, but I've learned some things from being the dad that tell me a lot about what God is like, and I've discovered from being a dad that love never diminishes, and God's love never diminishes. It doesn't diminish. His heart just keeps growing and growing and growing, and when you were added to his family, his love for everything else and everyone else didn't diminish. His heart just grew and expanded and got bigger. And if there's one thing I want you to know about the nature of God today, it's this. His love will never get any less for you. Listen to what the psalmist says from what we just read. Verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and what abounding in love. Verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. 
Verse 17, from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. What do I want you to know about the nature of God today? His love for you is deeper and wider and has greater capacity and more beautiful and more reckless than anything you've ever experienced in your life. God's love is incredible. Where do I want you to start 2019? With a glimpse of just how much God loves you. His love doesn't diminish. His love can't diminish. The Bible says that God is love. Not that God loves or that God is loving, but that God by very nature is love. When you look at God and you want to describe him, you want to find the word that sums up everything about him, the word the Bible uses is love. God is love. And that's exactly how he feels about you. His heart is so full of love for you. And there's something that flows from his love, and it's the second thing I want to talk about today. You see, something that flows out of his love is his grace. Now, we spent a whole series last end of last year talking about his grace, and I don't think we can ever get sick of talking about God's grace, so I'm going to talk about it to you for a few minutes this morning. And to do that, I want to introduce you to my second son, Harrison. The other interesting realization I had as a dad was you can bring two children into the world, same family, same parents, same environment, same house, and they can be completely different. And Eli and Harrison are completely different. You go into their bedroom and they share a bedroom, right? And Eli's there straightening out all the creases in his bed and making sure there's no sand and dust. And then he gets into his bed. He hates me talking about this. He gets into his bed and he lies there. And you walk in late at night when they're asleep and Eli just hasn't moved. It's like this perfect picture of stillness. Harrison next to him. And he's got legs hanging out the side. He has wrapped his dune around his head like a turban. There is mess everywhere. There's things that have fallen off his bed. I don't know how two children came from the same parents and could be so different. That sums up a little bit of the way they do life. Eli's ready to walk out the door, get in the car, go to school, all dressed, all ready, tie on, shoes on. We had a day last year where I'm two minutes from the kid's school and Harrison goes, oh. And I said, what? He goes, nothing. I said, no, what? He goes, I left my shoes at home. <laughs> so he had to turn around, go back and get his shoes. He's never got his shoes on when he gets in the car. But man, if there is a kid in this world that makes me smile, it's him. He is inquisitive and creative. And like, we were driving up the go- uh, to the coast yesterday. And you might think this is wonderful, but I'll tell you, it's tiring. And he's like, what are those mountains? See, we live on the Gold Coast. So we go south more than we go north. It's been a few years since my kids have gone to the sunny coast, but... What are those mountains? I said, well, the Glasshouse Mountains. Why are they called the Glasshouse Mountains? And it's at this point that you just get a bit of creative dad license and make up things, pretending like, you know, well, I think from a distance they look like glass. Well, why are they shaped the way they are? I think they're dormant volcanoes. Well, Dad, if they're dormant volcanoes, it means there's still the potential to, no, they're not dormant, they're dead, I think. Well, what do you mean? Are they dormant or they're dead? Because there's still lava. And it went on and on, and we got close, and my youngest son goes, they don't look like glass. I'm like, can we just listen to the cricket? You might think it's wonderful. It's not wonderful. He's so inquisitive. He got, he's 12 years old and he got a Planet Earth Life of Creatures picture book for Christmas and it's one of his favourite presents. He's just a great kid. But Harrison goes from zero to 100 and, and just redlines life, right? But then when it's over... 
he crashes just as quick. And it usually, he crushes usually when the activity's over and the pack-up begins or we actually need him to do something helpful. You've never seen a kid just crash quite as quickly. He goes really hard. He socially loves life. He sucks out every bit of energy that he can. And then when it's all over, whoa, it starts to fall apart. I remember one day, this is years ago now, Harrison was probably only four or five years old. And we'd gone as a family to the beach down at Kira. And it was a busy day. It was a summer's day. And so we parked, I think, about two blocks from the beach. Now, when you've got multiple young kids, you cannot dream up the amount of stuff you have to carry to the beach. I mean, we had body boards. We had shelters for shade. We had a food bag and a drink bag and another food bag. And we had towels and we had changes of clothes and cricket bats and buckets and spades. And you see parents walking to the beach and they're just like, they're carrying stuff like this. That is my family. Like it is ridiculous. Anyway, we went to the beach. We were there for a couple of hours. We had a great time. Harrison was having the best time of his life with my other kids. And then it was time to go back to the car. Two blocks back to the car, right? We had all that stuff we had to get back to the car. And as I said, all my kids do this to some extent, but him especially, you have never seen the crash come quicker than when it's time to actually be helpful. Anyway, we're all a bit sunburnt and we've got all the stuff. I'm carrying a couple of bodyboards, a bag full of wet towels, the rubbish bag of food. I probably had a kid on my hip, I can't remember. All I can remember is the walk to the car was painful. And I'm carrying all this stuff and I'm within about 10 metres of my car and Harrison has whinged the entire way. And guess what he's carrying? Nothing, right? He's whinged the whole way. Carry me, carry me. I can't carry anything else. Anyway, we get within 10 metres of the car and he decides he's had enough. No one's listening to him. So he lies spread eagle on the footpath and says, oh, my legs have stopped working. I get to the car, and because I'm a loving dad, I tell him, get up and get in the car now. Right, I am cranky. Like, I've had enough. I've had enough of this kid whinging at me. I've had enough of him doing nothing to help. I've just had enough of the fact that he doesn't have enough, like, he's four years old. Surely by now he's got enough emotional intelligence to realise how hard this is for me as a dad with all the stuff that I've got to carry to give him a nice day at the beach. Now get on your feet and get in the car. And I'm looking around to make sure no one else is listening to me, but this was the engagement I'm having with my son. Eventually we get into the car, turn the car on, and I am like, I'm done. Unbeknownst to any of us, Harrison decided to chuck his little tantrum on the footpath right over the top of a green ant's nest. Right? So I start driving from Kira Beach. There's cars everywhere, and we get about 10 metres up the road, and he starts screaming. Right? Because the ants had actually started on his shirt, but had now crawled up his shirt, and were biting him everywhere, right? So he starts screaming. I think it's a continuation of the tantrum. So I start raised voice until I realise what's going on. And I can remember so vividly the transformation in that moment from the cranky dad to the compassionate dad. Man, my kid was getting attacked by green ants and, and I was going to do anything that I could to make this better for him. 
So we parked illegally and we got out and we ripped his shirt out and we got him out of his car seat and we got all the ants out of the car and out of his shirt and he's got welts all over him and he's screaming in pain and we're cuddling him and we're telling him it's going to be okay and we're promising him ice cream and you can stay up late and whatever you want to do tonight, buddy, you can do it tonight. And I'm just crumbling. Like the hard disciplinarian dad has crumbled in a moment to the compassionate have ice cream, let me cuddle you. And we ended up driving through Hungry Jack's and getting ice from Hungry Jack's so that he could put it all over himself. And we got him ice cream and did all the things that you shouldn't do if you want to maintain a good line of discipline. (laughs) You know what? I reckon that's a little picture of the grace of God. There's days that we are defiant and stubborn There's days that we're just, our behavior just isn't up to scratch. And you can judge me right now as a parent. I mean, the logical response when you take a step back, really, in that moment is to go, well, mate, you need to think about the consequences of your actions because right now you're suffering the consequences of your choice. So you sit there in your pain for a moment and we'll get rid of the green ants but you think about it so next time you don't do what you do because your behavior stunk, mate. And I'm not giving you ice cream. I'm not giving you a cuddle. You can think about the fact that you created this mess for yourself. Like logically, that's really what you probably, is it? I didn't do that. I I just completely turned. And you see, I think some of us think about God and we think he looks at our mess And he wants to give us that that former lecture. Will you just sit there for a minute and you let that just, you let that sink in and you let the pain of that really burn. And I'm just going to sit back at a distance and I'm going to wait until this all subsides. And then when we get home, you're still going to bed early. You're still having toast for dinner. And we're going to have a conversation about your choices and the consequences of your choice. We think that that's the posture that God takes towards us. I reckon the posture that God takes is a different one. I reckon he's the one going, and you are. Like Harrison had to suffer the consequences of his choice. He had green air bites all over his body. I reckon there's days that God looks at us and goes, man, I hate that you're in pain. And you made some dumb choices that got you there. And I reckon the pain of what you're experiencing right now might actually register. But right now you're my kid and I just want to give you a big hug. I'm not going to celebrate your bad behavior. Now I just want to help you understand that even when you really mess it up, I still love you. And so Harrison, in my memory, has never done that again. He learned his lesson, but I learned something about the nature of God. The, the psalmist says this, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Listen to this. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. That is what God is like with you. I see it in Jesus Think about the number of times Jesus had the opportunity to pull someone aside. He hung out with the tax collectors that 
that were irresponsible financially and ripped people off and were greedy. He hung out with the prostitutes. He hung out with people who, who made decisions in life that, that brought great pain to them and great pain to others. But rarely, never, does Jesus sit back at a distance and say, well, you just sit there for a minute and you think about what... I just see Jesus embrace people. He doesn't avoid the discipline. He says, just do it different next time. Go and sin no more, he says to a lady that's just been dragged out, caught in the act of adultery. I'm not going to condemn you. Don't do that again. Look at the mess it creates. Look at the pain. Think about the pain it creates. But I'm not going to stand here and condemn you. I just want to embrace you. What I want you to know about the nature of God today, his grace is illogical. It's completely illogical. And it doesn't matter what you've done or what your backstory is or what dumb decision you made yesterday or last week or a decade ago that you still think about and hold on to. God isn't standing at a distance waiting to jump on you. He just wants to come near and embrace you. His grace is illogical. His love is reckless. His grace is illogical. And finally... I want to tell you one more story, and it's not about my family now, actually. It comes from uh, the time I just had with my son Eli and a team we took from Ormo on our first short-term trip to Cambodia. And while we were there, we got to meet this guy by the name of Ton, and you'll see a photo of him. He's here with Jason Berry, who is our global missions director, and Ton and Jason were friends when Jason lived in Cambodia. Ton's actually a moto driver, and uh, the moto driver, not yet, Jesse, I, I, I nodded in your direction, but I was just being friendly to the congregation, mate. Sorry, it's really bad. Ton was Jason's moto driver in Cambodia, and they became good friends, and we got to go and visit Ton at his house. And Ton lives in a house that is about two metres by two metres squared. He's had some really tough stuff going with his family in recent years, but he lives there with his son who's 14 years old, and Ton was telling us a little bit of his story. See, it's really tough right now being a a moto driver in Phnom Penh in Cambodia. There's um, ride-sharing apps like Uber uh, in different forms are starting to emerge, and those that have access to technology and different ways can engage in that. Whereas for Ton, he just drives around the city looking for regular income and regular custom every day. And we asked Ton a little bit about what it took to sustain his life in his two-by-two-metre hut that is on top of somebody else's house in the middle of urban Cambodia. Ton started to unpack his budget. He lives there with his son. He said, my son is my life. I'll do anything for him. My greatest aim in life is to earn enough money to put my son through school so that he can have a life different to the one that I have. We said, well, Ton, what does that look like? And he unpacked his budget for us. And he's like, well, I need this much for rent. I need this much for fuel to run my business. And I need this much to feed us. And I need this much for his school fees. And it worked out somewhere around $320 a month was his ongoing costs. And he said, well, Ton, what, what do you earn as a moto driver? He says, I work from 6 a.m. in the morning, or from 5 a.m. in the morning until 7 p.m. at night, 14 hours a day. And we're like, do you get a day off, Ton? No, I don't get a day off, seven days a week. If I get a day off, uh, we're in trouble. And he said, on a good day, I'll earn 10 a day. I could see the team there going, okay, 10 bucks a day on a good day, 30, 31 days in the month, $310. 
well, man, you've got to have a lot of good days just to sustain your minimum wage. And he said, yep, yeah, it's hard, but I'll do it because I love my son. I'll do it because I love my son. You see, what I do for my kids doesn't come from obligation. What Tom does is not his obligation. It's driven by loving relationship. See, I have some obligations to my kids. I do. If you bring a child into the world, you carry some obligation for them. I brought them into the world, and so I'm responsible for their health and their well-being and their shelter and their education, and I'm responsible, I have an obligation to nurture that child. But the things that I do for them are driven by love because they're my kids. Tom lives a life of 14 hours a day driving a moto around Phnom Penh, driven purely by the love of his kid. When he talks about his kid, he smiles. He just smiles. He just loves that kid so much. And I look at my kids, and I think they are the most incredible human beings on planet Earth. I think my, my kids as babies were the cutest kids that ever there were. I think now they're growing up to be young adults. They're the most handsome, right now, young men that you have ever seen. I don't know how, because look at what their dad looks like, but man, they are cute, and they are handsome, and it's all over to their mum. But I, I don't care if you disagree with me. Actually, if you're a parent here today, you probably do disagree with me. But please don't tell me that you disagree with me, because we won't be friends after that, because I'm not actually looking for your opinion. I've already formed my opinion, and it's not going to change, because you tell me that it should. What I want you to know about the nature of God, he doesn't invite you to be his subject or his acquaintance or his servant or his slave. He just wants you to know that you're his kid. You're his child. And that changes everything. It changes everything. He'll jump on a moto 14 hours a day, seven days a week, earning the little bit that he can, and he'll sleep on a bamboo mat on a raised platform in a room the size of a toilet and he'll do it because you're his kid. That's what God thinks of you. And I recognize this morning as I look across this place that not all of us can grab onto that illustration because we haven't had a great experience of what a good parent looks like. And that can be a really hard thing for us to jump past, but, but I want to invite you to discover a God in heaven that wants to show you what a perfect parent looks like. And he will do anything for you because you're his kid. He actually stepped out of the glory of heaven, the comfort and the glory of heaven, and came and presenced himself as Jesus on this planet and died the most horrific of death, not because he had to, but because you're his kid. And he absolutely adores you. What I want you to know about the nature of God his love is reckless. His grace is illogical. He invites you into a relationship where he will do anything for you because he wants to be the most perfect father. The psalmist, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children.
There's the nod. I'll give you the proper nod now, Jesse. How's that? Band, you guys can come up. You know, once you get to know someone, it completely changes the way you relate to them. Today, I want you to understand a bit more about the nature of God, about his love and about his grace, about the way that he views you, because I believe it changes the way that you live life. You see, I want to create an environment for my kids where as they grow up, they know that the greatest member of their cheer squad's their dad, just standing on the sidelines going, you go for it. When you muck up, I'll forgive you. When you get it right, man, I'll cheer you on. I'll talk you up. You're the best. You see, when you create an environment like that, when, you, when your kid's not looking at you thinking, well, how do I appease dad? How do I please dad? How do I make sure that I do everything he needs me to? How, how, if the posture you have towards your dad is one of spending your whole life looking that way, just trying to make sure that he's okay with you. Man, it's a hard posture to take. But, but if you look back at your dad and you just see the smile on his face and know that the love and the grace and the compassion he has for you will know no end, man, it suddenly allows you to turn around and live a life where you can flourish and be all that you were called to be. God wants you to know more about what he's like because he wants you to flourish as the person that he created you to be. And the creator of all the universe created you with purpose and hope. And he wants you to live in the joy and the fruitfulness of that purpose and that hope. And maybe the one thing you need to take away from here this morning is a completely different perspective of the way that God views you. Maybe you just need to walk out of here this morning with a brand new sense of the depth and the breadth of a love that will never diminish. That's just for you. If there was no one else on this planet, Jesus would have done all that he did for you. That's how deep his love is for you. That will never change, that will never diminish. Maybe you, you, you feel stuck and stalled in your faith. You don't feel like you can move forward. You don't feel like you've got anything to offer. You don't feel like you can serve. You don't feel like anyone's going to listen to you because you're still holding on to those mistakes that you made in your past. I want you to turn your face and your posture towards God this morning and just experience His embrace. That says, you know what? I know the pain you're feeling. I know you've got welts all over your stomach. But it's all right. We'll get through this. Let's go get ice cream and get on with it. And maybe the only thing that's holding you back from stepping into all that God has for you this year is that you've got to recognize that God's not holding that stuff. Of, uh, I love that the summer says that as far the, as the east is from the west. Now in a world where they had no concept of you know, direction and earth, I love that he picks the east and the west because if you head east, you never hit the end point. If you head west today and you just keep walking in that direction, you'll spend the rest of your life walking west. If you go north and south, if you walk north, eventually you start going south again, don't you? But if you go east and you go west, it's endless. And the psalmist didn't even realise what the world looked like when he wrote that. But, but I think God understood. He goes, no, 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 you just keep walking. Keep walking, keep walking, keep finding it. No, you, have you arrived at the east yet? Have you arrived at the west? No, you haven't. Keep going. That's a picture of what it looks like. What I want to do with your transgressions. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far I've removed them from you and from my side. So don't hold on to them. Don't carry them as the baggage into 2019 anymore. Actually allow God's grace to do something brand new in you and walk with freedom into the purpose that He has for you this year. I'm going to invite you to stand right now. Why don't we spend a moment in prayer? 
Why don't we sing a song that just expresses some of the words that we just read in that song. Father God, this morning as we stand here together, the first Sunday of a brand new year, and Lord, it's just another Sunday, it's just another day, but there is something good about turning that page to a fresh chapter of our story. The, the, the first full year of Gateway Redlands has just begun. And Father, I want to pray that we would start the year with a, a deep understanding of all that you are. God, I want to pray that for those of us here this morning that don't understand what it is to be loved, to be shown love, that we might discover you this year as the God of love, a non-diminishing resource of endless love that is just directed and poured out on us. Lord, as we, we start to visualize all that you are, would love be the thing that just rises to the surface? It's what the scripture says, rises to the surface, that that is who you are. May your love transform us and change us, I pray. Lord, may those of us that carry the hurt and the pain of dumb decisions and bad mistakes, of, of sin in our story, and maybe we still carry the scars of that. God, would you help us encounter your grace in a brand new way? It's a grace that makes no sense. You don't deal with us as our transgressions suggest you should deal with us. You actually just deal with us as a loving Father that wants to embrace us, help us heal, and help us a brand new way of doing the life that you've called us to do. And Father, as we do all of that, may we find your place in your family. You don't call us servant. You don't call us subject. You don't call us acquaintance. You call us child. May we walk as your children, free to flourish in all that you've called us to be. We hope you've been blessed by this message from Gateway Baptist Church. We're a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.